Hey, it's Tuesday. You know what that means. 10-Minute Tuesdays? Yeah, and we've gotten some interesting questions come through our support team, so let's talk about it. Yeah, we did. And it's not as if it's um, something we never deal with. It was just kind of unusual that existing clients um, experience this. And the first mm-hmm. one was the Lightspeed connection. So it, as most of you probably know, you can connect your smart detailing website to a number of different point-of-sale systems. And one of the more popular ones is Lightspeed. And when you do that, you basically just go into the settings and uh, click the setup thing and you log into your Lightspeed account. And you can also revoke that access. And that's what happened a couple times this week. For some reason, somehow somebody inadvertently revoked that access. And when they went in to reconnect it, there were issues. And so I wanted to cover one thing because both of these instances were the same thing. And that is in order to connect Lightspeed to your Smart Detailing website, you must have an admin role in Lightspeed. Not an owner, not a manager, not anything except admin. And that's what caused the problem. Somebody with uh, lesser permissions made that connection and it causes all kind of grief and doesn't work correctly. So whether you're connecting it for the first time or whether through an accident or whatever, somebody disconnects it or you just want to change something, uh, when you reconnect it, you must use that admin role. So if you have any questions about that, as always, reach out to the client success team. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Uh, What about WePay? I think there's been an interesting question come up about this as well. Yeah, and I don't know if this ever happened before, but maybe it was just in the melee of uh, post-holiday shopping and Mm. some returns happening. Um, If you make a return and refund somebody's money that bought something on your website via WePay, the payment gateway that we use, if you refund that money, it is refunded. There is no unrefund. And this happened a couple times where whether they were just looking at the wrong order or the wrong amount, something happened and they wanted to not have refunded a refund, there is no option for that. You're always welcome to call client success. They will have no option for you because once it's refunded, it's refunded. And so your only option there is to work with that customer to explain the misstep and uh, get them to uh, process another order. So two things that, you know, they're right there. Could have happened anytime. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure they've happened before, just not in clusters like this. So I think that's why it stood out. Yeah, and I kind of expected things to be a little bit quieter, maybe in some of these areas this time of year. Yeah. Um, but hopefully this means that people are doing business. You know? I think that's exactly what it means. I think there's yeah. more activity in orders and therefore more connection activity with a point of sale system. And there's more activity as in a lot of things were sold on, on uh, Smarty Tune websites into the holidays. And this always happens after there's just mm-hmm. going to be some adjustments in those those sales. You got to refund something, buy something else, et cetera. So, uh, you know, that brings up another point that I think about a lot. It's hard to buy gifts for enthusiasts. And I <sighs> wish people, I wish people, um, I, I, you know, the enthusiasts should make it easier for their family and loved ones. Uh, I feel but, attacked. Well, but <laughs> no, just kidding. I think that's why gift cards, are, they, they seem impersonal, but they're such a good idea because truly, if you're an enthusiast of anything, the, um, the gear you use for that thing, you're typically very specific about that. Mm-hmm. And so to buy a cyclist a cycling gift, it's almost going to fail <laughs> every time. Yes. So gift cards, always, always lovely and important, and also be ready for those changes. And, and you know, we're all enthusiasts in the business. You know that's going to happen. So. Be ready for these kind of updates and changes to to orders. Yeah, absolutely. I must say, though, as a child, when I bought a gift from my father who rode bikes, 
he always just accepted them and wore them, including the Cookie Monster jersey I got him. So <laughs> <laughs> I still have, uh, and this is not my wife's fault per se. Uh, she went to my friend who owned the bike shop years ago and said, I want to buy some Christmas gifts for Mark. And basically, I think he just needed to get some things off a shelf. So, <laughs> one of those jerseys, the uh, the U.S. Postal yellow jersey replica yep. from, I think, year two, is still on a hanger with a tag on it in my closet. Yeah, maybe it's worth more now than, <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> or not at all. I don't know. The point is, uh, you know, you sell a bunch of stuff, you're going to do some returns. Yep. Be careful pushing those buttons because sometimes there's no un unpushing those buttons. Yes, exactly. Lovely. Yeah. So we talked about hopefully, you know, folks are retailers are busy. Um, another really great way to bring in business is going to be, of course, email marketing. We've got some great resources on email marketing. It's one of the most effective, um, least expensive marketing tools that yeah. we kind of we, we all have at our disposal. Um, and we've been getting some questions about email pop ups to collect yeah. email addresses. Yeah. And those questions do come up. I don't know fairly regularly. Again, they're clustered. So I think there's mm -hmm. been a lot of change in the industry. Uh, maybe the sales aren't flowing as easily as as they were during the height of the pandemic. Uh, and certainly, you should be collecting email addresses right. for all, all sorts of reasons. Uh, this particular method of, I want a pop-up on my home screen, you know, let, let me start by saying there's, there's a little debate around that. You know, mm -hmm. Are you putting something in place to effectively collect email addresses or are you putting something in place to effectively drive away a large portion of the people that view your website who hate pop-ups? I don't know. Um, they remain popular. But if you mm -hmm. want to do that, it is not difficult, but it is not a smart detailing thing to do that. Inside of whatever email marketing service or email client you're using, they should be able to generate a little snippet of code that makes that pop-up happen. So if you're in MailChimp or Constant Contact or Emma or any one of the 40 different ones people use, <laughs> there will be a place where you can go and generate that pop-up code or an embed code. You know, where you, if you just want the little field to display in your footer to put your email address in to sign up for our email list, whatever that is you want, there'll be multiple options for that inside of something like MailChimp. You configure it in MailChimp. You push the little generate code button. You take that code and bring it over to the website. Typically, it'll go in the marketing custom tags area, but in some cases, it's a little different. So let us know if you have questions. But that's how those get generated. Mm -hmm. If they work just fine the way that code does and generates them, then you're good. You're done. If you want to tweak some of that beyond what the MailChimp or constant contact code can generate, for instance, maybe color or placement where that thing lands on a screen, that's something where the our marketing agency custom team can help you with that because it does it would require some custom code to to change anything about that plugin at that point. Yeah, whether you do a pop up or not, I'd say I think what our I think we're all on the same page that having a a place to a place for your shoppers or your customers, what visitors to your website to sign up for your email list, have that somewhere on your website. We do like the footer. I think that's a pretty consistent spot mm -hmm. um, across the industry. Um, and then for me as a consumer, like if there's a pop-up, I do appreciate if there is an offer. Yeah. At least yeah. for a first time, first time shopper. So if you all do want to go with pop-up, I would, I would consider that kind of softens that experience a bit. Does I it, think. 
Do you think it needs to be a big offer? I mean, what, what kind of what kind of thing would you suggest would be a valid and useful offer for something like that? Give me your email address and I will what? I think, I mean, I think anything from 10 to 20%, I think 20% is awfully high. I think, of course, exclude bikes in there, I recommend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think just enough to kind of lower that barrier. They came to your website for a reason. Maybe they're already thinking about purchasing something or they want to check out what you have. Just make it easier to say yes, interact with you, and then they're your customer and, and you know you can build that relationship. So. so throw some information out there. We do this and this and this. If we have your email address that's beneficial to you and or yeah. you can get 5% off your first, or 20% off your, if you're aggressive like Susie, 20% off your Sorry. first purchase <laughs> or a free water bottle or something. But just... It takes that little barrier down, and it is valuable. So make no yeah. mistake, you, you the business owner wants that email address for a specific reason. It's a valuable thing to get. Now, if they've already bought from you, you may have it, but the idea is, and in, in, you know, broken record statement coming, they will find your website more often than not before they ever visit the store. Yeah. So the effort here with this pop up or this embed on the homepage is to collect email addresses from people maybe you you don't otherwise have a chance to collect email addresses from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Mark, you I think you uh you kind of set us up perfectly for the next one. Speaking of finding your business. Yeah. So Apple. Apple <laughs> yeah. Apple's a big company, right? We've heard of them. Um eh. Eh, eh. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's always been a thing where if you want your business to show up in Apple Maps, you have to go into your, your use your Apple ID and go in and set that up specifically. It has always been very cumbersome to do so, and there is no or was no effective way to delegate that work to somebody else. So, for instance, with Google My Business, uh, our team does that a lot. You can delegate access to us. We can go in there and help set things up. Not the case with Apple Maps or any of that. And and there's a big reason you might think, well, who cares about Apple Maps? They don't work very well, which has also been true. And I'm a big Apple uh, homer, so it's hard for me to say that, but they've always been very, very poor. But Apple, because of their market penetration with the iPhone and iOS, owns a gigantic share of voice search. So when somebody says that, I don't want to say it because there's a Siri thing behind me, but hey, do this thing, that's a voice search. Um, so is uh, Alexa, so is uh, Google. But by far and away, Apple accounts for the majority of those. That's why you wanted to be there in the past. Apple announced recently they're broadening the tools, their Apple Business Connect, uh, to ensure businesses can configure it correctly, can have more than one person working on it, and have access to the voice search piece and Apple Maps, but also a bunch of new things they're rolling out, even uh, search within apps. So it is more and more important as that ecosystem grows to be a part of that. And they've made that simple. So I'll put in the description a link to the article they put on how to and how to set that up. We're all reading that article currently, too. So we will certainly uh, be happy to help. But uh, at this point, we're reading the article, too. So <laughs> we'll, all f- we'll all figure it out together. But it is important. And voice search is going to just get to be bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is great. I think so many users of iPhones kind of use the default as a, you know, as a maps function. Um, I'm thinking of my mother. She's been led astray once or twice. And so I hope this is gonna help things be a little bit more accurate, help retailers. I would I would love for Apple Maps to get better because I <laughs> I don't I, I used it once when it first came out and got so far in the wrong place that, 
<laughs> I, I will <laughs> never use right? it again. Uh, but yeah. it is default. And like you said, it's, it's the yep. default in a lot of places. And so this service should improve. There's also been announced some improvements, again, coming to Apple Maps. It'll get better over time. But sometimes it's the only option. And, and so it's better to get in there and, and spend an hour setting this up so that your business displays as it should. And, and you collect whatever there is to collect from that. Well, I think that's all I've got for this Tuesday. This was an action-packed Tuesday in January. Action-packed. Big stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you said, I, I think it was a little slower in support overall. There was just some mm-hmm. of these kind of, oh, I hadn't thought about that in a while kind of things. So I'm glad we could bring that to everybody. If you have any questions about uh, anything else going on, things you've thought about and just haven't had a minute to um, to ask, ask them. Mm-hmm. We're happy. Susie and I are happy to do a little research, figure out what the client success team might have to say or what the marketing agency might have to say about that. And then we'll bring that to you on some subsequent Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. Until then, we'll see you next Tuesday.